0: Hi, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud. This is Mariana.
1: And Elizabeth. Good morning.
0: Good morning. It's like a I'm sorry I'm a little um, echoey because of my cold.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry it's that time of cold. year, though. Yeah. It is, I guess. I had my cold early. so.
0: Well, that's good. Get it out of the way.
1: Right. But I'm also like a, a self-imposed hermit most of the time, so I'm just not Right. Exposed. Right. Well, exposed. um
0: we have an eight year old and a five year old, you know, carrier monkeys yeah. that went back know. to school and then
1: Actually I got my cold um after I had been like going out and participating in nano events. Uh-huh. In November. So see so, yeah, I exposed myself to the public and immediately got sick.
0: Well, I mean that's how it happens. <laughs> yes,
1: it's true. More reason to live the hermit lifestyle.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have been. I I did on Monday and Tuesday for sure. On Tuesday, I just, uh, I spent a lot of the day in the bed. I haven't, I I feel a lot better now. Mm. I had meetings on Wednesday and Thursday, so I was able to go to those and just had my tissues and, you know, medicine cabinet in my purse. But it's been a long time since I've felt that badly, (laughs) you know.
1: Well, it could be compounded by all of the sadness this week.
0: Well, yeah, and also in Columbia, at least. Well, we've had pretty good weather, but now we're back to the rainy dreariness.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Lots of, I mean, and in the midst of uh, the deaths, we also had the State of the Union and the Republican debate, and those are just sad to me. It's
1: like (laughs) clobbering us and trying to destroy us.
0: (laughs) Yes.
1: But like, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I, this has been a rough week. Like, I mean, it started with David Bowie, right? And, and I'm not even, I, I mean, I guess I should get into it because we're sitting here on this podcast, but um, again, that's the point, I guess, is to talk about stuff like that. But so David Bowie, I was never like a, a music person growing up. So like, I listened to his music, um, but it was just kind of like, I was exposed to it without thinking about it kind of
0: music for David Bowie.
1: For me, David Bowie was the Goblin King in Labyrinth. And some people might laugh at that, but like Labyrinth was a huge movie for me. I loved it. I like, I like soaked it in. And, and so his character was like actually there in this like formative period of my life. And, and I'm just sad. I'm so sad. I was so sad about him being gone. Just, I I couldn't even believe it. I was like, how am I this sad about David Bowie? I'm so confused. And then two days later to lose, to lose Alan Rickman. I was like, you got to be kidding me.
0: (laughs) Well, and I think the surprise came with David Bowie because he was very sick, but had kept that pretty private. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and I mean, not just private, like he worked so hard right up until the end, you know, like. Right, his last album, like that is a huge monumental effort for somebody who's that close to death with cancer. It's not even like it just blows my mind how important that must have been to him, um, to do that kind of thing. And I still like that, you know, people are like, oh, you should watch the video for Lazarus because it's such an amazing, like, you know, message and tribute. And I'm like, nope, nope, I can't do it because. I not just, yet. I'm not ready to do that yet. It's just too emotionally like I just can't, I can't do it. But yeah. So then, you know, Alan Rickman dies and, and I mean, I mean, he was Snape obviously, but for me, he was Colonel Brandon from Sense and Sensibility. That's where yeah. I fell in love with him, you know, cause he just was, he really gave that character some gravitas. I think <laughs> that I really, um, I appreciate it. And I was like, I was, I don't know, enchanted by him then. So it's just another, like, you know, mortality sucks. (laughs) What can we be immortal?
0: Well, and I look at, you know, how old they were too. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's my parents' age, you Mm -hmm. know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. 69 is actually really young. I was, yeah, that is very young. Okay. So, cause like my, um, I mean, my grandparents, my, my grandfather died a couple of years ago, but he was in his eighties. So I'm like, come on guys, you've got like at least another decade left to Yeah, do this. So, but then, and, and one more, there's one more that I can't not announce on here because like, I just made the connection this morning. So Brian Bedford died this week as well. It's been a rough week and, and Funicello and Funichello. anyways, um, who my mom loved but brian bedford died this week and he was big on the broadway stage he i think was nominated for tony's and just like really you know amazing actor um on the stage um but it wasn't until this morning and an article flew across my facebook feed that i realized that he played the voice for the fox robin hood from disney you remember oh yeah and i was like are you kidding me because like that was my first crush
0: well i mean how could it not be your first crush with the way he pursued maid marion
1: i'm not even kidding that was my first crush was a cartoon fox and
0: and took on the bad sheriff you know
1: beautiful voice was just like a huge part of that and so i'm just like I'm like, "Way to kick me while I'm down, universe. Way to kick me while I'm down because I was already like, you know, dealing with those emotions there and now my first crush is gone. Gone. And I can't even believe that." <laughs> oh. So, okay, now I have that off my chest. We can move on.
0: <laughs> well, no, but I think I think it's it's even sadder when it's these creative geniuses that we know have impacted society but have a- impacted us personally as people who want to create, you know. And um we'll link it in the show notes, but Stacy wrote a beautiful blog post about why am I so upset about this because I didn't know them, you know. Right. right. But when you're a creative person and you see someone like Dave Billy who is just giving literally his last breath to continue to create for us, you know, and whether we're fans or not fans, it doesn't matter. It's still for us Mm -hmm. is incredibly inspiring.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that was, there was that tweet that was being circulated around too. Did you see that one? The one that talked about, you know, like when people are criticizing, you know, well, you didn't know them, So why are you so sad? It's not, it's never about how we knew them. It's about how they helped us know ourselves. Mm
0: -hmm. That's a, that's an excellent way of putting it. And I think, I mean, I, for me, Robin Williams death did that to me too. You know, this just creative genius who gave his life literally and himself at the end Mm -hmm. to making us all happy and uh, entertaining us, you know?
1: yeah for for me with Robin Williams, it was definitely about like his inner struggle um because like it was very private and very isolating for him, and at the same time, it was just like it was out there, like we all knew that he was depressed, we all knew that he was going through something, but nobody could know the extent to which that was, and like the pain and the suffering that and the isolation that must have led him to where to that moment for him of his death and it just like that just was heartbreaking to me um so you know it's in a little bit of a different way than than with Alan Rickman or with David Bowie because both of them they I mean they had cancer it's not like they didn't know it was coming I didn't know it was coming and right so like that is part of the hard part is that I'm surprised and shocked to lose these two creatives um and I didn't like have any kind of processing time up to that. Not that I deserve that because I don't, because I don't know them, but at the same time, like there's still that shock of loss. Um, and so just processing through that.
0: Well, and I think about, uh, you know, Whitney Houston too, and how people responded and I don't, you know, these are public figures. They understand that their lives are public to a certain extent. Um, so for us collectively as a society to grieve is not Uh, unnatural or out of the realm of appropriateness although some people would say that you know
1: well the other person that um that was kind of like compared in this whole you know talking about um, public grief over public figures um was princess Di, Um, right and like there's a lot of like criticism and people who are like, oh, these people who have these emotions are hysterical and they are, you know, emotionally unstable. And, you know, like they go into this whole thing about us. I'm lumping myself into that group um, who cry over people that we've never met and say that there's something wrong with us for that. And the, the article that I read was like, no, no, it's not true. And back off because like those people that are in the public eye, they represent something to us. And the idea then is to understand what they represent to us and be able to grieve that we're allowed. We're allowed to grieve that it's, it's right. And it makes sense when you take the time to think about it.
0: Yeah. And I think it, I think it definitely has a connection to creativity and inspiration as well. You know, if these are people who have inspired us or, or as you so eloquently said, have helped us discover a little bit about who we are, Mm -hmm. then yes, we're grieving a little part of, our development or our journey to self-awareness or, you know, something like that.
1: Right. Yeah. That was what I actually wrote. Just, I wrote a really short blog post about it yesterday as well. Um, and Which we'll link in the show notes too. <laughs> um, that, you know, just, I outlined the things that I learned from the characters that Alan Rickman and David Bowie played um, because this was before, before I knew about, Brian Bedford um anyways so I just I like distilled what it was about each of those characters that meant something to me or that had like helped me to grow um because I wanted to I wanted to know what that was but I mean I've had you know now days to think about it initially it was just grief and now I'm like okay I can think about this a little bit and process it and say thank you and move on and and make art and do things with my life, which is what Chuck Wendig has been saying this week as well now It's just, you know, like, like we don't get to choose who dies or when because it just happens, like everybody dies. So love the people that you're with and make something that is important to you and share it with the world, so.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's, I mean, you can see some debates about characters and books and movies and uh, their deaths. And if you think about that, you know, it's not unusual at all for us to grieve over real people because we grieve over characters too.
1: Exactly. exactly. Oh man. Like when Dumbledore died, I just was like, oh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> I haven't read the books yet. You're kind of behind. Anyways. Yeah. Like there's some serious grief there. And even for me, like, I don't know if anybody has, okay, so speaking of of characters dying in books and like grief that comes from that, um, there's probably a fair few number of people out there who have not read the book of Mice and Men. So I won't tell you what happens at the end, except that there is, yes, of course, a death because it's John Steinbeck. How could there not be? Anyway, <laughs> I read that book when I was in the seventh grade, sixth grade, I think. It was given to me by my uncle, Michael Pat, who if, he ever happens to listen to this, you're amazing. And I still, you're my favorite. Anyway, (laughs) so because he would give me books, he would give me classics to read when I was young. And so like, he started me on my literary path, really. Um, But anyways, so I read Of Mice and Men at a formative age in my life. And I still like, I can't, I, I can't even go back and really tap the emotion that I felt at the end of that book. Because what happened, I was young, so I was perhaps naive, enough to not see it coming.
0: Oh and yeah. It
1: devastated me. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, I just cried and cried and cried at the end of that book. And it was like it was a it's fiction, right? But like the the way that you process who people are and how they interact with each other and how you would, you know, like for me that's what I empathize enough that like I put myself in the place of the characters and think about how I would be in those situations or with people, other people who were like that to me. And I just like, it was earth shattering anyways. So like characters and and emotion, they go hand in hand.
0: Yeah. And I can remember Veronica Roth and I won't give a spoiler, but one of her characters dies in the alleged series at the very end. And people gave her hell about that. No, this cannot be how it was. And she said, this is how it was always going to be. Yeah. You know, I knew this from the minute I started writing the first book, that this was this character's fate. And they were like, no, no, it can't be. That's just wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, the, um, not to uh, segue too much, but you will be pleased to know that I finally found a copy of Insurgent at the library. And so I now am sitting on a copy of it so that I can read it like in the next. Good. Series. Because I'm like, come on, I have not finished that series yet. Um, and I'm, I just so found
0: my Allegiant so. again, but I can't find the other ones. I don't know. They must have been lent out somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Allegiant the other thing, the I think okay. in sur- I don't know.
1: I think it's Divergent Insurgent Allegiant.
0: Oh yeah. So I can send you that when you're ready.
1: Yeah, you can.
0: <laughs> you and I will happily. <laughs> okay. I don't so know I where the other there. ones went. Maybe, maybe I borrowed them. <laughs> now I'm not remembering. Um, <laughs> No, I was saying *The Giver* by Lois Lowry, maybe my all-time favorite book, besides maybe *Handmaid's Tale* by uh, Margaret Atwood. Well, those but are two books I, that I haven't read yet. You no, haven't read them? read them? Oh, no. I can't say this then. <laughs> I haven't Never read them. mind. Anyways, I will say that when we looked at it at *The Giver* in my class, my children's literature class, and in, co- in grad school, I guess. And I argued tooth and nail about the interpretation of one part Mm -hmm. because I was like, no, that's not how it happened because when I was in sixth grade, this is exactly how I interpreted it and it's my favorite book because of this. (laughs) So this cannot be true because if it is, my whole life from sixth grade falling in love with literature because of this book and becoming a reading teacher because of this book is foundationally not secure. It can't happen. Mm. It can't be.
1: Well, I mean, you're allowed to interpret literature how you want at the same time, are you not?
0: Well, yes. However, when everybody in the room disagrees with you, you start to think maybe I missed something. (laughs) And when there are articles written about it.
1: Don't doubt yourself. Be the voice in the dark.
0: As well as, you know, the author writing an interview about it. Yeah. And you start to be like, oh, well, maybe I missed something. (laughs) so i just recently you know alan rickman was also in love actually
1: yes yes
0: so i just recently read an article about his character in love have you seen that one can we talk about this
1: yes oh my god are you kidding i watched that movie at least three times or four times every holiday season i know i did
0: i watched it twice and then we had a baby yeah i think this
1: year (laughs) i only watched it twice which is a record low for me
0: but so his character is kind of flirting with the idea of having an affair with someone in the office and they you know somebody asked the creator i can't remember which writer it was and they were like does alan rickman or you know alan rickman's character really have an affair does it really happen and i was like no no it didn't really happen he just thought about it you know yeah i was convinced of that and the writer was like nope absolutely it happened
1: yeah. I remember seeing that article and I think it's funny that people like need to go out and press it and writer a creator for that kind of confirmation. It's the same thing as like, like what, all this stuff that comes after with JK Rowling, you know, talking about Harry Potter and yes, yes, yeah. and no, that, and double door was gay and blah, 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 all that stuff. I'm just like, I don't like, I, you know, don't mess with my story. Like whatever. <laughs> I really don't care. Like, you can have all of these opinions and you can assert that they were true, but if they're not in the text,
0: it's interpretation you really yeah
1: yeah, you don't really get that um, that ability to to say that definitively. and I mean, you could argue that yes, you do. I mean, actually this is what we argue all the time right about Star Wars too is, and when Lucas went back and screwed with everything is that like he's allowed to because he's the creator. And of course, you know, his words law on it because it's his story, but no, it's really not. Once it goes out to the public, it becomes their story and everybody who reads it gets to own it in their own way. And so how you interpret things um, and what you think happened is more important than what the author says happened.
0: And that's and then, if you're on the reverse side and you're the author releasing this into the world of uh, community ownership, yeah. you gotta let it go. Well, you can't fight tooth and nail and say, "Well, this is what I meant. Well, maybe that is what you meant, but guess what? It changes when you release it to the community.
1: It's true and and I guess that's a um that's an argument for making sure that you are absolutely as clear, crystal clear about those points that you want to fight tooth and nail on.
0: Exactly. Because Not every point, but the the most important points.
1: Exactly. The rest of it it doesn't matter. But that you know, if it matters that much to you, then you need to make sure that nobody's going to misinterpret it. So, mm-hmm. and otherwise it just it you're going to have to let it go.
0: <laughs> you are going to have to let it go because it's no longer your story. Yeah. And this is what you wanted, really. You wanted to change from being a writer to being an author, and that's part of it.
1: (laughs) It's the part that is the hardest to um, convince people actually happens because you can't really imagine how anyone could misinterpret something that you say until until you put it out there. Until
0: it actually happens, yeah. 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 And I think it's something that these great – Creative geniuses, I'll call them again, um, who have passed away this week. Understood, you know. Yeah. Which is why this one, these hurt more than some other ones, you know.
1: True. Yeah.
0: That we might hear about.
1: It's true. It's been it's been a rough week. 2016 has kind of really just knocked me down and kicked me all week long. So.
0: And we're not really even that far into it, unfortunately. I know.
1: I know. Although we are halfway through January already, and I have to say, eek!
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I've got some stuff to get done here.
1: (laughs) So do I, which it's funny because I feel like last week I didn't really. It was kind of like getting off to a slow start, and I was like, okay, this is just how it's going to be. And then, wham, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's so much to do. And, And I have, like, creative projects that just kind of have cropped up. And they're like, hi, pay attention to me. And I'm like, I don't have time to right now. And it's kind of- That's
0: when it comes
1: though. I know, I know. So one of the things that I did this week and I posted about it on Facebook a couple of times maybe, but um, I don't know how many people saw that that listened to us or not, um, but is I happened to luck my way into um, a short story idea generation workshop with um, the author, Mary Robinette Couch. koal sorry, Kowal, Oh sorry. yeah,
0: I did see this. And it was awesome.
1: <laughs> so if you don't know who Mary Robinette Koal is, she um she's an author of um she has a series that's like um well the first one is Shades of Milk and Honey. Um the one that I grabbed to read is Glamour and Glass. Um, but they're kind of like Jane Austen era style books, but they have, um, they have magic in them as well. Um, and I'm, I'm just like barely getting into reading this book. I haven't actually read anything by her before. Um, but so I'm really like excited to, um, uh, read that and like experience that she's an excellent writer so far. I'm, I'm really enjoying it and being drawn into the story, but I know her, um, like not know her personally, although technically I do now, but, um, I know of her because of the writing excuses podcast with Brendan Sanderson um that I listen to pretty religiously as well, um, which is fantasy writers talking about writing fantasy and, and writing in general. Um, and she's on that podcast as well. And so I've been like listening to her for a couple of years now. And so I was like super fangirl over this. I was like, are you kidding me? I am so excited to be in this workshop. And it was like a, a Google um hangout thing. So we had like Six of us on Google Hangouts and she had this process for um coming up with an idea and testing it to make sure it's um not too big an idea for a short story and then also figuring out how to pare it down to a short story if you want to do that and um and it was fascinating um it was it was a really good writing exercise for me um she had us use it on uh like fairy tales at first um to like come up with a new slant on fairy tales and kind of use that idea to like push it all together and make the story and then she had us come up with our own ideas and and basically now I have an outline for a short story that like I need to go write <laughs> and then I need to try this um whole method again because I need to be able to do it again I'm like if I don't do it again, like right now, I'm going to forget how, what her method was. And cause you know, practice like makes permanent. So I want to practice it and and kind of like solidify in my head. But anyways, I'm super excited about that.
0: That's really cool. And to be able to do that with a group of people is even cooler.
1: Yeah. Well, and with Mary Robinette Kowal, like I'm serious yeah I mean pretty super cool so I was like oh my gosh and hi here I am I can't believe I'm doing this but um and you'll be so proud of me because I was like very brave and like put my stuff out there for critique and you know like had like got feedback and um which was the other cool thing is there's only six of us so like you know it could be pretty personalized and um and yeah it was awesome
0: that's very cool yeah. Look at you.
1: I know. How about that?
0: I'm out so you're still writing. That. That's good. I'm trying to um keep myself to my daily slash weekly words. And it takes a lot of words to write a book. That's what my week has been.
1: Yes, it does take a lot of words. A lot more than last you week think about.
0: Yeah, last week I was like, this is going to be so easy. I'm going to be done by the end of January with a manuscript and da-da-da-da-da. And this week I've been like, oh my gosh, I have no more words.
1: (laughs) I'm sure you do, though.
0: And I'm watching, I'm writing like 50 words at a time and just sitting there and then looking at my word count and being like, that was only 50 words.
1: (laughs) You just need to go out and get inspired. That's all. You need to refill the tank.
0: I do. And I need to, just like you're saying, I think one of the hardest things about working on a long project, like a book or, or something else is that I, I have other writing things that I have to do during the week. And so I have to do those things, you know, right. <laughs> those are my jobs. And those are my jobs. Yes. Cause it's more than one job. So I spend time, I'm writing maybe perhaps the same word count every day, but it's not necessarily all going into this longer project.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So you take what you can get for now. That's what you got to do. Yeah. I'm glad you're still like writing every day too. That's good.
0: Well, and I will say this week has been a really good week for structure and organization too. Um, So I have been working on it as well, but there were some places where I had to move whole chunks to a different part and I couldn't You know, I was trying to write in this one place in the book and I was like, this doesn't make sense here. And I didn't necessarily lose that work, but I had to put it in a different place so I could get the flow of the story going in a different way.
1: Yeah. Well, I've been um, experiencing that some just in like doing the revision stuff that I've been doing on my manuscript as well, where like I thought I had everything in the right order. (laughs) And now as I'm going through it, I'm like, oh no, this does not go here. And so I have to move it, but then I have to figure out like how to stitch the pieces that are left right. back together. now, so like,
0: okay. <clears throat> And I know that we, we tell people, especially during NaNoWriMo, right, 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 right. Um, right. And I'm sitting at almost 25,000 words, which is half of it NaNoWriMo. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes Yes, I I agree. Right, 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 right. But I think sometimes you have to have days or weeks, in my case, like this week, where you take a little bit of a step back. No, I'm not revising the whole thing yet. But you kind of got to get your flow going again. And sometimes that takes some structural reorganization. And that's okay.
1: That's true. It's true. I, um, on the other hand, have been writing every day, just like doing a 15 minute writing prompt, like, yeah, right. Every damn day. Um, and so like, that's been super good, useful for me. Um, and I'm kind of like, I'm surprised at myself that I'm still going strong because I've been doing this before new year's. I started like a week before new year's and I'm still going and I'm like, Hey, I, now that I've said that I probably jinx myself and I won't I'll fall off the wagon, but like no, you won't.
0: I'm, you can I'm do. I'm
1: excited about the, that. Actually, um, and I kind of like like one day I um I read the prompt and I wrote something and then I looked at the prompt again and I was like, oh, I totally misinterpreted that um what they were trying to say. But I liked what I wrote anyways. And then I was like, hey, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't like, matter. I can yeah. totally like whatever the prompt inspires in me doesn't have to be exactly what the prompt says. I can write whatever I want to write. So. That's kind of fun as well. Um,
0: it's, and- that's also a fun story because it reminds me of how much a rule, of a rule follower you are.
1: I know, isn't it awful?
0: I am not <laughs> at all.
1: It's awful. I actually, like, I talked to my therapist about this, like, how to break myself out of this ridiculous, like, pattern of I can't do anything but what people tell me to do because, oh, my gosh.
0: It's- and that's not even a person you know. That's in a book. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Exactly.
0: Whose point is to help you write every day, which you accomplished.
1: <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> who cares?
0: So what have you exactly done wrong is the question.
1: Well, nothing so far, I guess. It's true. It's true. Um, I um, And you may or may not uh, agree with my decision to do this, but I, I have an account on Wattpad and I have decided that I'm going to Um, occasionally publish some of these like morning writings um, just on Wattpad just as like a collection of short vignettes that are weird and rough and uncut Um, so
0: I don't disagree with that I'm just wondering why you're not doing it on your own blog
1: well um, because my blog is not really my blog is not for that (laughs) <laughs> it's not for that exactly it's your blog business. is for you My blog is for my business
0: um, we mm, could argue about but that. your business is okay. you
1: well yes, but my business is helping people um like work on their creative stuff not not oh, okay not give feedback on mine
0: so you need a personal blog. <laughs>
1: That's possible.
0: Why give your content to someone else? That's my question. (laughs) We've talked about that.
1: I know. I know.
0: I've given Thomas a really hard time about it. I can't not give you a hard time. It's like my shtick. You know, don't give your content away.
1: But so like anyways, I mean Wattpad is used by lots and lots of people to publish lots and lots of things. And it has a, a reader base that's anyways we're not
0: sure so sure does so does etsy for creative people and they still take a piece out of it yeah, yeah. you're still sacrificing something when you use a different medium except one that you create
1: <laughs> ah! <laughs> i hear you i do
0: just be glad that you told this to me and not to sam because it would be even worse
1: well, it's about to get even worse then because I know he'll listen to this eventually, so.
0: <laughs> That's right. Just be ready for the Twitter comments.
1: Well, I will be ready, but Sam, you should know you're not always right. So, anyways, I'm off my soapbox now.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, um, You will be sad to know that I did not win the lottery this week.
0: I am sad to know that. I mean, we were planning a retreat in Texas at our little ranch.
1: You mean buying the ra- the ranch and just like setting ourselves up? Well, right. I think if
0: you had won the lottery, it would have been appropriate if you just paid for everything and just right. let me come along.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
1: but have we mentioned that yet on here? No, we just talked about was that, that after today. the
0: show? Oh, yeah, so we listeners, we are we are yeah. planning a writing retreat.
1: By the way, and we are going to have a Thinking Out Loud writing retreat.
0: Yes, we are. In September or October, there will be a book exchange. There also will be an p- opportunity, if you're a published writer, to sell your books. Yes. Um, and that's all we know. And there will be exciting sessions where you get to write for long periods of time, where you get to share your writing with uh, an editor and an editor-in-chief – <laughs> and we'll talk about marketing your book. We'll talk about writing prompts. Um, and we just don't know where it'll be yet, you know, because we've that's got right. all the creative part done. Exactly. But the practical the aspects, practical. aspects <laughs> and the finances are yet undefined.
1: It's eluding us.
0: but We might you know, have to employ some help to <laughs> we'll figure do
1: it this. Out. We'll but figure stay
0: it. tuned. We are going to do this.
1: Yes. Oh, we're totally doing this. And it's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah, and if you have said, you know, I just need time to write. Hey, this would be the opportunity,
1: right? Which I think was the point when I brought it up, or initially, um, I think I brought it up. It doesn't matter. Whoever brought it up, the one of the one of the points that I wanted to have a writing retreat for was to be able to extract myself from my daily life and my daily setting and go somewhere and sit down and be inspired by a new surroundings and by other creatives and get some work done on a project. So who knows what that project will be in September. God, I got to hope I'm done editing. this. this
0: <laughs> I hope it will not be this one, but it probably will be.
1: Um, but yeah, so, so I encourage you to um, do that, to come out and to, to join us. That was actually Something that I I always um, say I feel like I always say this, but I experienced it again this week. Um, just like the experience of putting yourself into a writing situation with other people um, yeah. and sharing your work and receiving feedback on it is huge. It's huge for your mental growth as a writer and also for your craft um, because it helps you to like really identify areas you need to work on and make stronger and identify areas that you're already strong in um, and exploit those areas um, to your benefit. So, so yeah, it's totally worth it.
0: Well, and I think what we're trying to create is also a writing community that you could continue after the retreat Yes. Um, because Elizabeth and I have benefited so much from a weekly conversation, except when she has jury duty, um, <laughs> and I have a baby, and you have
1: a baby, seriously.
0: <laughs> the, but that that you know, creative energy that we get, even across you know Wi-Fi rays, is really beneficial, especially yes. for me. I so agree. we want to encourage that kind of community uh in a way that's not like the book expo at in new york city you know right. that it's a little more personal um and you have some kind of connection perhaps to the thinking out loud network or you want to invite a friend you know that's awesome yeah, yeah so stay tuned we will get our um friends and family to help us plan the practicality of finances <laughs> of it
1: right the how how much it will cost where we will hold it um if you have suggestions for these things, please feel free to contact us. We would love to hear from you. Um, but and-
0: we're excited because, it me- you know, one of my goals is to meet Elizabeth in person in 2016. So what better way to do it than to plan a writing retreat and get- <laughs> not only see each other, but uh, spend a whole weekend together. Why not?
1: Right? It will be epic.
0: It will be epic. It will be epic. epic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so should we talk about what we're reading
0: we should, yes, definitely.
1: Okay. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first?
0: Yeah, I'm reading Amy Poehler's. Yes, please.
1: Ah, oh, yes.
0: Hey, ah, oh, please. <laughs> uh, it's excellent. It's really good. You know, I've been on this kick of reading um women's memoirs. I guess. Mm-hmm. So I read Cheryl Sandberg's Lean In. I read Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. And I've read another one called Hopes and Fears by two women who are ministers and moms as well. So Amy Poehler is the icing on the cake for this genre that I've been exploring. Nice. And it's she's really done some interesting things. But I think I said this last time that we podcast, but she starts her book by saying it's really hard to write a book. It's really hard to write a book. I've been trying to write this book for a long time, and it's really hard to write a book. <laughs> and I love her honesty. You know, she's a writer. That's what she does. She's an actress too, of course, but she started as a writer. Mm-hmm. And that admission from someone who, you know, makes her money, makes her living acting and writing, that's uh, affirming to me right now as I struggle to write a book. Right.
1: I'm sure. Yeah. That's awesome. She's hilarious too. Is she funny in the books? Also,
0: she's hilarious. Yes
1: like I mean for me that that matters because you know it's one thing to share your experience um, but I appreciate humor and sharing experiences because otherwise I just want to die <laughs> um, I mean, yes put on my personal email um, you know in my personal email signature it says you have to laugh at yourself because you'd cry your eyes out if you didn't um, and I totally I firmly believe that and so that's why somebody like Amy Poehler would be attractive to me in the way of like her writing about her experiences. I, if it's funny, you know, or like, or like the blog s like Jenny Lawson. Yeah. um, You know, she, she talks about some pretty heavy um, mental illness stuff a lot and sometimes it's emotional, but a lot of times it's humorous because that's how she copes and that's how I cope. So.
0: Well, and I think the other thing for me, that's interesting about reading these books is the formatting of them. You know, because in some situations, Amy is including actual screenwrite. Um, is that what you call it? Like the mm-hmm. scripts that she worked yeah. from. Uh huh. So the one. formatting changes, right. and she has pictures of her as a young kid, and just different things like that. That they're the publisher is also allowing her to play with story, but she's playing with formatting too. And as a publisher, that's something that's really interesting to me. When people do that and it's successful. Nice. What about you? What are you reading?
1: Well, um, so I'm 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 always reading more than one thing, but um, so at current time I'm reading uh Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Um and I'm kind of like slowly going through that and taking some notes in it. Um it was given to me. And are um, you
0: reading this because of Elizabeth Gilbert?
1: Um and Actually, first, Amanda Palmer, because Amanda Palmer quoted her in her book, oh. The Art of Asking. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm so intrigued. So anyways, when both of those women have quoted her now, I was like, okay, I should probably read this. And then someone gave it to me for Christmas. And I was like, well, there's Ooh. my opportunity. So, um, so yeah, so I'm reading that. Um, and then I also, yesterday, I went and picked up um, Glamour in Glass. By Mary Robinette Cowell. Uh, I keep saying oh, my yeah. name wrong. Mary Robinette Kowal. Anyways, um, I, I went and picked it up because I was like, well, I've listened to her um, talk about her writing and talk about her books on the podcast. Maybe I should have Now I want to see it. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I just picked it up yesterday from the library. So I've just barely started it while I was waiting for the bus. And it's great. I mean, it's really solid, beautiful imagery so far. Um, and, and yeah, like I i am doing that read like a writer thing, which you should do from time to time where I'm mm-hmm. like being analytical about, um, what I'm reading as much as enjoying the story. Um, so, you know, looking at the way that she structures her sentences and her dialogue and, what kind of dialogue tags she's using, which we didn't talk about that article. I
0: today, know we can we save it know. to next week though. That's that's a whole episode, I think. Right,
1: exactly. Um, but just that kind of thing of like really looking at her craft and how she um, sets up her scenes and her story. Um, because, I mean, because she's published, she keeps getting published by, I think this is published by Tor. Um, and yes, by Tor. And so like, it's important. To, if you want to be published and especially if you want to be published by a certain group to see what the authors who are being published by that group, what their style is like, what they're putting together, um, what the quality is of the work that they're um, releasing so that you can bring yours up to the same par with that.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't mean changing your writing. It means emulating in some ways, but with your own take on it, you know, you have to That's not what we're saying. We're not saying, hey, do write exactly like this other person so you can get published. No, no, no.
1: It just means that you're
0: doing your research and your homework.
1: Right. Well, because your voice is going to be what sells you and your voice is going to be different from anybody else. But there's these structural things in your writing that can obscure your voice. And you have to be able to see those in your own writing and or submit them to an editor who can see those things and help you yeah. to eliminate them. My trash truck is showing up. Can you hear it? You're about. To... I did hear it. I
0: thought it was actually ours, and I was like, "This is odd. We don't have a trash <laughs> truck on Friday."
1: Yeah, well, we do. So I'm gonna. Well, I'm if gonna...
0: people want to find you, want to give you oh. encouragement after this week, or just mm-hmm. talk about creative things, how could they find you?
1: You can find me on the web at www.writingrefinery.com. You can also find me on Facebook, um, on Twitter, on Pinterest, on Goodreads, all at Writing Refinery. And um, I actually I have a Writing Refinery blog that's kind of off on its own right now. It's Writing Refinery Blog at WordPress.com, um, but that's going to change soon. It's all coming under the same umbrella very soon.
0: Yes, 2016. And if you want to talk about publishing, you can find me, harrelsonpress.com, at Harrelson Press on Twitter, and Harrelson Press on Facebook.